Kentucky football plays their first test of the 2023 season this weekend against the Florida Gators, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've got no idea how to feel about this game heading into it. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be speaking with Brandon Olson of the Locked On Florida Gators podcast to take a preview into this weekend's matchup between the Kentucky Wildcats and the Florida Gators. Big-time game uh, for UK this weekend, going to be the first test of the season. How do we both feel about it? We're unsure, but we're going to break down the matchups, the individual one-on-one performances that we could be seeing in this game. How do we feel about both uh, teams' offenses against each other, the defenses? How do we feel about the game overall and our final score predictions uh, as always? So without further ado, here is our conversation with the host of Locked On Gators, Brandon Olson. You got locked on crossover action. I am Brandon Olson with Locked On Gators. That is Lance Daw with Locked On Kentucky. And look, Florida Gators play Kentucky Wildcats this Saturday at noon. Fun stuff there. Thanks for making either of these shows your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. I already bet on Monday, Florida, plus three and a half against... Kentucky. I also bet Florida money line, but that's just because I have to do that every week or I will hate myself. But <laughs> Lance, we're going to talk Kentucky first here. What's been your, I guess we'll say, what have been the results so far for your expectations for this team? Yeah. So you go and look at the final scores of these uh, four games that the Wildcats have won here. Uh, and I think that the a couple of these games are not truly telling uh, of what actually happened uh, within these contests. So you beat Ball State in the opener, 44-14. to 14. Uh, A couple of different uh, rough moments in this game. Devin Leary, quarterback transfer from NC State, uh, got off to a slow start, and then you go and beat Eastern Kentucky, 28-17. to 17. That game was really close up until the fourth quarter, and then Kentucky started to kind of screw around. They found out Akron, um, not the best offensive performance uh, from your team, and then you go on the road and you beat Vanderbilt, 45-28. to 28. You put up 45 but you had two pick sixes in that one. Uh, credit AJ Swan for putting uh, points on the board for the Wildcats. Probably the MVP of that game, if you had to ask me. But yeah, I, I think that right now with Kentucky, there's a 4-0 record. There are some statistics that may impress you, or you may say, oh, those are pretty good. You may like what you've seen numbers-wise out of Devin Leary, your new quarterback. But you just don't really know a whole lot about this team yet. And I think, uh, Brandon, I did an episode about this yesterday. This is the game where I think you really start to find some things out about what the Wildcats could be made of uh, this uh, this upcoming season. Obviously, following this, Kentucky's got some really tough games. I believe they have four or five ranked opponents in a row, Missouri, Tennessee, Georgia in there here after the Gators. Um, but yeah, right now, as far as like the return that we've seen from these you know, from these Wildcats, at least they've not lost. I mean, that's that's what you're looking for is you're looking for 4-0, and uh, it's just not been the most 
impressive uh, 4-0, I think, to start things off. Yeah, I gotta say, I kind of hate that this is the game for Kentucky Wildcats fans where it's like, oh, like this is where we find out what this team is. I, I hate being the team that you find out what they're made of against, uh, just because that's never a fun side to be on. Because when you're when you're looking at a team like that, like you're looking at Kentucky and it's like you mentioned, yeah, they're they're four and oh, it's been an ugly four and oh. And then Florida Gators fans, if Florida loses this game, are gonna be like, I thought these guys sucked and now we suck and now it's bad for us. And, and so I hate being the team where you find things out against them. Uh, I will say though, I could not have been more wrong about this Kentucky team because when this whole offseason was going on, I was actually kind of high on Kentucky. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, Liam Cohen's coming back after a year with the Rams. Devin Leary is better than Will Levis was what I was saying before the season. I don't think that's necessarily wrong either. I think Will Levis was overrated before last year. I think that he was overrated going into the draft process. And I thought that Devin Leary would be able to be a more steadying presence for this Kentucky offense where I feel like it's still been kind of volatile under him. And and that was something that really surprised me going into the year here. Yeah, that's probably been the biggest shock to me is the fact that this offense has not taken off in the way that I thought it would with Devin Leary. And it's not just Leary here, uh, Brandon. I really thought, and this is something I talked a lot about from media days on, about how we're going to see a rejuvenation on that side of the ball. With Liam Cohen coming back to be the offensive coordinator after leaving for a year for the Rams, you're getting to see what I think, and I agree with you, is a better college QB in Devin Leary statistically has been really sound up until this point in the season or uh, up until this point in his career, whenever he's not been injured. And then you look at the pieces around him. I think that this offensive line is better than it was a season ago. Uh, I think you can see that reflected in the sack in the sack rates. Obviously you've not played a lot of great opponents, but you were, you were taking a lot of sacks against really bad teams last year. So it's, it's a step forward there, but you, you like what you see on the offensive line. And then you really like the pieces, uh, the skill position players at running back and then at receiver. You've got three really good receivers in Barry and Brown, Dane Key, uh, Tavion Robinson. You've got a couple of really solid tight ends. It's a very deep room for Kentucky. And then you brought in Ray Davis, who ran for over 1,000 yards at Vanderbilt last year. That's really hard to do at a place like Vanderbilt. Really good player. And you expected, or at least I expected, this to be a season where UK takes a step forward after kind of taking a step back uh, a season ago and uh, largely due in part to what this offense couldn't accomplish whenever people expected Will Levis to do things. And it has been a bit of a shock, the fact that Kentucky's not really been able to, I think, show the things that they've wanted to show. Obviously, there's been good moments. Obviously, there's been impressive touchdowns and, and highlights, but I think overall with a guy like Devin Leary, nine touchdowns, five interceptions so far this year, had a few turnovers that... Uh, again, he's not been a turnover-prone guy so far in his career. It's been a little bit of a surprise. It may be there are just growing pains here uh, to kind of get the chemistry going with the, with his new guys around him. Maybe it's just kind of getting comfortable and getting adjusted to life in the SEC as an SEC quarterback. I mean, I guess we'll find out more about that against an SEC opponent, a legitimate one, uh, this Saturday. But yeah, I've been... Uh, just about shocked at how Kentucky's not been able to kind of pick things up more uh, than they have. Again, 28 points against Eastern Kentucky, not going to do it for you. You as a Florida fan know that Charlotte game, 22 points, not going to do it for you. You need to see them actually go out there and execute against these bad opponents. 
You see 35 points against Akron. It's it's okay, but you would have liked to have seen a little bit more, I think, out of this offense and out of Devin Leary. He's collecting the yards. He's 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 racking up some yards here for the Wildcats, but uh, I, I want to see this, this team click a little bit more, be a little bit more consistent uh, with him at the helm. Yeah, I mean, that was a game against Akron that, I mean, I, I look, I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert here. I am going to say I care about the Mac. I watch Mac football. I do not think this is a good Akron team. And I was like, oh, Kentucky's probably going to just completely send them to the shadow realm uh, mm-hmm. in this one. Didn't really happen, but we, we talked about the offense here. Before we talk about Florida and key matchup prediction, all that stuff, I do want to know what what have you been your thoughts against the or about the defense so far? Because this is also this is a Kentucky team where under Stoops, you're always going to be at least a good defensively. You're always going to be very physical. Team has struggled with missed tackles. They got 41 through four games so far, and that is like jaw droppingly. I don't I don't want to say jaw droppingly bad, but it, it it kind of is very underwhelming when you look at this as a Kentucky team that typically is pretty damn good at, at finishing these tackles off. So what have been your thoughts of the defense so far? Which again, I know like the offense, it's like, oh well, you beat up on bad teams. Defense has also beat up on bad teams. But what have been your thoughts so far about that? I think so far, a couple of things. Number one, last year, Kentucky was absolutely god-awful at creating turnovers. They are currently tied for first in the SEC in total turnovers with eight uh, eight gained here. Uh, and that's something that I've been really excited about. Now, those have been turned directly into touchdowns a few times. And I think that looking forward, you're not going to be able to do that as consistently as you have in these first four weeks. So uh, you can't really rely on that unless your name's Iowa, but it, it's it's kind of a concern heading into this one. The fact that Kentucky has kind of struggled to close out drives and they've struggled to tackle and there have been some busted plays. I think the second thing here past turnover margin and uh, collecting these takeaways is the inability to get off the field on third down. Kentucky is second to last in the SEC right now in third down uh, uh, opponent third down conversion percentage. And again, just to restate, You've played Ball State, Akron, Eastern Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. That's really, really not good to see that teams have been not necessarily um, uh, blowing up the defense with with explosive plays left and right and and just consistently marching down the field, but they've been able to dink and dunk on you, and you've not been able to secure tackles in the short and intermediate passing game. So that's, that's a concern, especially heading into a matchup where you see a team like Florida and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go along. But Florida currently, I think one of the, in terms of completion percentage, one of the better passing offenses in the SEC. That's that's one of my biggest sticking points in this game, Brandon, is what I've seen out of this defense, better takeaways, not getting off the field overall, maybe a little bit of luck involved here, concerned how it plays out against a legitimate SEC opponent. Yeah, uh, Florida right now, Grammar has the fourth highest completion percentage amongst players with at least like 50 dropbacks. Mm. So he's up there and the average depth of target. It, it's one of the shortest in the entire country right now, just in, in terms of how he's not pushing the ball downfield. But when you're playing a team like Kentucky that has been struggling to make tackles, that can kind of be a little bit of a, a backbreaker there where it's like, I, I've been fully open and we're, we'll get to Florida in a second, but I've been fully open about, it. I did not expect much from Graham Mertz. I get what he's doing now is not being asked to do a ton downfield. He's still been better than I anticipated, but if you're playing a team that can't 
tackle and you don't need to throw the ball deep. Yep. Who cares then? Yeah, at that point, at that point, you're really just uh, praying that you can secure some of these tackles in the open field if you're Kentucky. And and I, I'm really curious how Florida utilizes those weapons that they have, not just at receiver, but also in the backfield as well. Because I'm, uh, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you've got a couple of really good running backs as well. So getting to the second level at any point in this defense is going to be uh, me probably just bracing myself on my couch, you know, really nervous about uh, what could be coming on these third downs. So it's um. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an okay defense, I think, but it's not what you've had in these past couple of years. If you can get a little lucky against Florida, maybe some of these things don't matter. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, like, like this, we're about to talk about Florida is going to get a couple guys back, hopefully on the offensive side of the ball. Before we talk about Florida more in depth, it's time to snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's guaranteed, by the way. You win, congratulations. You get the money that you won, plus $200 in bonus bets. You lose, who cares? Throw it on something crazy, if we're being honest. Just put, hey, you know what? First touchdown parlay. It's going to be Ken Walker, Bijan Robinson, I don't care who else you want. Devontae Smith. There we go. That's what we're doing now. The app's so easy to use. Wide range of betting options, including spreads, player pops, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Also, if you're like me, I did bet Florida to cover the spread. Like I mentioned before, it was three and a half when I took it. It's down to one and a half now. But remember that FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. And thank you again for making Locked On Gators or Locked On Kentucky your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Brandon Olson here from Locked On Gators with Lance Daw from Locked On Kentucky. And we're talking about this matchup. And we were just talking about, you know, Florida, you just got to get the ball to the second level, make some plays there. Florida is expected to, or Florida's hoping, we'll say, to have very talented pass catcher Eugene Wilson the third available here for this game. He got banged up against the Tennessee game after the first drive. Did not play last week against Charlotte. Going to be back here. He was a big part of the offense in the Tennessee game before his injury. He was running jet motion basically every single play. Starting center, Kingsley Aguakin, likely going to be available for this game. That is my expectation here. We'll know more when the depth chart comes out at the time of recording this. Wednesday slightly before the death chart is going to come out for the Florida Gators, but I would expect both of those guys to be listed as questionable and on the depth chart. But this is, yeah, like you mentioned, Florida, you get to the second level, you make some big plays. That's what it was against Tennessee against Tennessee. I remember before the game, I was like, Hey, defensive front is very good. You get to the second level. They've had tackling issues. And that's what happened. Trevor Etienne dogged against Tennessee. He just kept getting to the second level and kept making big play after big play. And the pass catchers did the same thing. So I, I think for me, that's even what we're talking about when we talk about if Florida is going to win this game, you have to do that. And you kind of have to rely on Kentucky's still continued tackling issues. Yeah. And that's, that's the concern, man. It's, it's finding ways to get guys like Ethan down uh, before they can get out and hurt you in space. And, that's probably uh, the the most interesting thing to me. I know a lot of people are going to focus on quarterback and Mertz, and I want to get to him in a second here, Brandon. But talk to me about how important this Florida running game has been. I think historically, when you look back at some really good Florida teams, 
Some of them have been able to run the ball with some effectiveness. Obviously, you look back at the Tebow years and you're able to rack up some yards with him at quarterback. But whenever I think of Florida, I don't really think of like a lot of high profile tailbacks. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But there are a lot of other teams in the SEC where I point to and be like, oh, well, they've had a generational running back or they've had some really good record breakers. Talk to me about this current Florida running back room and how important this ground game is to the Gators. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Georgias, the Alabamas, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, run, running backs. That's what they're known for. Florida's yeah. kind of gone through their ebbs and flows where it's like they seem to have a good running game consistently, but not always yeah. the generational backs. Like you look at Calvin Taylor a decade ago was, was going off, and it's like he had a cup of coffee in the NFL, and then he yeah. was out. And, and so stuff like that happens. But when you look at this current Florida running back room, you're looking at two guys that are going to be in the NFL and probably for a while in Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. I know that last year, Montreal Johnson was the better back of the two, but this year, Trevor Etienne's not only taken a step forward, I do believe Montreal Johnson right now, even if they won't acknowledge it or won't report it, I feel like he's dealing with something where he just doesn't look as explosive as he used to. But Trevor Etienne's been the guy where you give him the ball and he's one of those players where every time he touches it, it feels like he could pick up big yard and she's averaging over four yards per carry after contact this season so so he's been just creating and creating and creating with an offensive line that is worse than last year has also been going through injuries and all that stuff but trevor etienne's been playing out of his mind right now montreal johnson is still going to be more of the between the tackles kind of ball carrier here but this is a rushing attack that i truly believe just pure talent wise. I think Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson are two of the better running backs in the country and one of the best running back duos in the country. Yeah. And they tore up Tennessee just a couple of weeks ago. And that's the concern here is they did it against one sec defense. Can they do it on the road against another? And there's a quarterback here that you've got Brandon operating the offense for you. That has kind of been sort of a meme, kind of just somebody who, who I think most college football fans, casual football fans would point to and just kind of laugh over the past couple of years while he was at Wisconsin. He transfers to Florida, a lot of conversation about how he was misused uh, with the Badgers, and now you look at him with the Gators. Um, Like we talked about earlier, one of the better completion percentage guys in all of college football right now, and uh, he's piloted a relatively turnover-free offense. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but he's not looked that bad. He's looked pretty good. Yeah, um, when Graham Mertz committed to the Florida Gators, I was – not thrilled. We'll, we'll say not thrilled. Um, but I, I said, hey, he's not going to be great. I, mm. I like. I don't expect him to be great. I don't think he's going to be horrible. And he, at Wisconsin, he was. But I think it's also important to acknowledge with Wisconsin, I've said this every single time we talk about it, that Wisconsin offense, everybody involved in putting it together belongs in prison for the rest of their lives for what they've done to the game of football because they were operating as if it was still 1904 and the forward pass was not a legal part of the game yet. So Mm. we knew Graham Mertz would be better. I don't think anybody expected him to complete almost 80% of his passes. It would be almost 90% if you accounted for drops, by the way, uh, because they've had six drops so far on the year. If you account for that, that'd be 88% of his passes would be completed right now. He's about 78%. His one interception on the year hit the receiver right in the chest and just popped up and it was against Utah. Uh, It was a little check down, hit Ricky Pearsall right in the chest, popped right up and the defender took it, but he's taken care of the ball. 
exceptionally. One of the things that Graham Mertz has really just genuinely impressed me with is I said when he came here that he is not going to be good at moving in the pocket. He's not going to be good at evading pressure. He's still not, but he's been considerably better than I expected. He's been getting involved in the run game, which terrifies me every single time he carries the ball because I don't know how screwed this team is if something were to happen to him. Um, but I, I think that Graham Mertz has made plays where I did not anticipate him making those plays, extending plays in the pocket and getting a pass off after that were things that he we didn't really see him do at Wisconsin. I'm not saying he's, you know, Heismertz. I'm not saying that, but he's operating this offense at a very high level when he's given the opportunity to do that in the pocket or out of the pocket or just commanding this offense. I know they've had some red zone issues last week. Those are genuinely probably going to carry over. I'm not going to pretend that that's just an outlier there. They're probably going to carry over, but Graham Mertz has exceeded expectations every step of the way. And I understand that you could talk about, you know, he's not throwing the ball deep downfield. That's why his completion percentage is so high. I don't give a damn if we're being honest. He, he's, he's operating the offense at about as high as a level as he can, and he's doing everything that's asked from him and then some. So I, I'm going to take that as a win seven days a week. You talk about the highs and lows of this offense, and you've definitely seen, I think, a little bit of inconsistency here over these first four games for the Gators. 11 points against Utah on the road. I mean, it's really hard to score in that environment regardless of who you are. And then you you drop over 40 against McNeese State. Uh, you come back ho- home, you drop 29 on Tennessee, and I think that's a pretty decent defense that the Vols have. And then you score 22 against Charlotte. And like you said, the red zone woes there are obviously uh, prominent uh, for the for the Gators. And heading into this matchup, is this one of those games where, okay, we've identified here for Kentucky, they've got some issues maybe on the offensive side of the ball. They've not been as, as explosive or as impressive as most people think they, they should have been. With Florida, maybe they're not the most explosive either. And if Kentucky can kind of generate some of these takeaways, maybe this ends up kind of being a little bit of a slugfest. Is that where you see this game heading in your mind? Or does the Gator offense have a second gear that they can hit to kind of make this uh, make this uh, one where Kentucky has to score a little bit more? Even if Florida was averaging 80 points per game, I'm going to assume that Kentucky is going to drag them down to the ground and make this a slugfest. That's just the Kentucky Wildcats are like the Detroit Lions, where it's just like, we're going to bite your freaking kneecaps. Like, that's exactly how I think of the Kentucky Wildcats every time. I don't know what it is when they play Florida. It's the ugliest game I've ever seen. Like, like even the past two years, when Kentucky had an NFL quarterback, a second round pick at quarterback, they were the ugliest games ever. That's one of the reasons before the draft, I was just like, look, I'm out on Will Levis because I've seen him play two of the worst Florida defenses of all time. And it became a slugfest every single time. And I mean, Florida had a fourth overall pick last year, at quarterback. And it was honestly what I think is his second worst showing of the season. I think his worst showing was the week after Kentucky when they played South Florida and he just couldn't get it going. Uh, But I I think that this is always going to be a slugfest. Yesterday, I had Hayden Hanson, Florida Gators starting tight end on Lockdown Gators. And even he was like, this is going to be a physical battle. Like, like we're going to get into it here. So I think that everybody should expect this one to be just ugly, physical, like it, it, welcome to 1927. It's three yards in a cloud of dust, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to dive into uh, some, some final thoughts here, maybe some, some key individuals that we can focus on versus each other and then give our predictions here in just a second, right here on this locked on crossover edition of Gators and Kentucky. 
All right, wrapping up this Locked On crossover between Locked On Gators and Locked On Kentucky. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky or Gators your first listen every single day. Brandon, got some predictions to give out here. We were talking about this yesterday before we went to record, talking about it earlier before we hopped on. You look at the line right now, it's gone down from three and a half in Kentucky's favor to one, the ESPN FBI predictor, which at this point, can you trust anything that the ESPN FBI says? But still, even they think this is a 50-50 game just about uh, your gut feeling, if you would if you would care to elaborate. My gut feeling is, pick me up, I'm scared. Um, I, I, I don't know how, I, and I, I texted you this, I'm going to be open with everybody that watches this. I genuinely don't know who to pick to win this game because I'll, I'll take this all the way back to the off season. This off season, I said, I think that Florida is going to split their road games between Kentucky and South Carolina. I think they win mm. one of those, lose one of those. I think Kentucky is the more likely one that you lose. I think it's very hard to go into Lexington. Um, Billy Napier did not seem happy that this was a noon game. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're just sleepy heads or something like that, but he did not seem happy that this was a noon game. Uh, this is, it's always a big environment when Florida goes to Kentucky. I don't, I don't know what it is about this game, but the Kentucky fan base shows up and they show up loud. I will also go back to 2021 when Florida went to Kentucky. And I don't know the exact numbers. I think it was like 15 or 19 penalties. It was an insane amount. It was so bad that I started my show the next day, throwing a flag in the air and calling a flag on Florida again, because they had so many penalties specifically along the offensive line, specifically Kingsley Aguakin, who is, if he's healthy, going to be your starting center this year again, or this week again against the Kentucky Wildcats. And he struggled immensely last time he was in Kentucky. So, so there's plenty of reason to doubt. I will say, I think Florida is the better football team. And that's where I'm really torn. I, I think Florida is the better football team. I think Kentucky does a really good job of whether you're better than them or not. They're going to take you down to their level if you are better than them. And they're going to be like, okay, well, now we're going to beat you with experience here. Yeah. And, and that's how they kind of make these games play out. So I think Florida's the better team. I think they're the better roster just from top to bottom. I think that they're better at key positions. And I think their defense has been playing lights out. Kentucky has a habit of bringing Florida down to their level and, and basically take them to deep water and, and drown them there if you can. And that's been the approach that Kentucky's taken under stoops just in general against Florida. So I'm very torn on this. Uh, I'm going to flip my phone now since I don't have a coin. If it's screen side up, I'm picking Florida. If it's backside, I'm picking Kentucky. It's backside. So I, I am taking Kentucky in this one. I, <laughs> that's, right. be, uh, that's how I'm deciding it. Um, it it's going to be a close one, I think. But I, I guess here's Kentucky. And like I said, I think you split the series or you split the road games, Kentucky, South Carolina. Kentucky's more likely to win. So that's that's what I'm doing. It's hard to it's hard to drown a gator if you're a wildcat, but Kentucky seems to try and do it every single time these two meet on the field. Yeah, I'm right here with you. I am really, really torn. It, it really does just come down to does Kentucky's trend as far as picking up these turnovers and then executing immediately and scoring points thereafter, does that happen in this game? Because I think if that happens maybe early, you could see Florida get in a spot where maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable for the entire game, or maybe they're fighting down three to seven points uh, for the majority of the way. And I just don't know if that's the type of slugfest you want to get into where you're fighting and you're down 
against this Kentucky team. Obviously, Kentucky has had their own uh, share of mistakes uh, this season. Do those happen in this game? I My gut feeling in this one is that it is, like we were saying earlier before we started recording, ugly. I, I think it's going to be a sloppy game. And I, I really do uh, expect the Wildcats to find ways to overcome these turnovers and these uh this lack of execution on third down i think that because they're at home maybe that provides a little bit of a spark here not a whole lot else to say other than that i think this one's going to be a little weird going to be a little sloppy and kentucky finds a way that's kind of where i'm landing here so i'm going to pick the wildcats don't feel great about it wouldn't be shocked if they lost uh, if anybody wants to come into the comment section and, and dog us for pre predicting uh, the Wildcats to win. Just want to let you know the spread on this game is minus one in the favor of the Wildcats. So this is as close as it gets outside of it being a pick em. Uh Brandon, one final question here to you. You talk about uh, this offense for Florida. I want you to give me an over-under here. So the over-under here on this game is 44 points. Does oh, under, 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 Florida, under, under, <laughs> I was going to say, does Florida get to 20 in this game? I don't know if either team gets to 20. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Because here's the thing also, Kentucky's been really good. Again, we understand the the level of competition. We're, we don't need to harp on that with who they've played so far. Mm -hmm. They've been one of the better red zone defenses in the entire country right now. Mm -hmm. They're the 20th best red zone defense in the entire country. That's power five, group of five. So no matter who you're talking about, that's where Kentucky lands. Florida, Last last week they were really bad in the red zone. I understand the offensive line issues, all that stuff. Last week they were really bad in the red zone. They're a middle of the pack red zone team right now. And if Florida's got to settle for field goals again, I I don't know if they're just kicking the ball all day. I don't necessarily think that either of these teams hits twenty. Um, I I will say no. I will because I'm taking the under. Okay. When you just said 44, I'm, I'm taking the under without even a little bit of hesitation. So, yeah, I, I think that no, Florida does not score 20. I'm not convinced Kentucky scores 20. I think that we're going to look at just one of the ugliest games of the season, and it could be like 16-13, 17-13 for all I know. I was going to say, I think if I'm going to throw out a final score, I'm going to go 19-17 Kentucky. And that yep. that's it's a, a few points under underneath the uh, the over under there, so that's that's probably where I land. Yeah, I, I'm yeah I'm saying 16 because 17 is an easier way of going. Oh, two touchdowns and a field goal, <laughs> and this game's going to be so ugly. So I'm saying I'm saying 16 13 is going to be the final score. I I just like I'm not thrilled about this game. And yes, I'm saying 16 13 Kentucky at this point because I flipped the phone and that's what it said. If the if the phone said the other way. It'd be 16-13 Florida, but it's not. It'll be 14-13 with like five minutes left, and Kentucky will get a safety and run the clock out. That's just probably yeah, – it'll why be not? something like that. Because why not? All right. Well, I, Brandon, I really appreciate you hopping on to uh, to talk through this crossover edition of Locked On Gators and Locked On Kentucky. Uh, tell all of my listeners where they can find your stuff in case they want to go and trash talk later. I was going to say that's crazy that you're just putting me in the crosshairs right now. <laughs> but find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon where I will be talking trash regardless of what is going on. Um, find me on Locked On Gators every single day. I, I live on that thing. And I can't wait to just be very rudely insulted. And I appreciate every single one of those insults.
It's uh, all my homies know is pain this weekend is probably just going to be the vibe regardless of what happens. So make sure you check out Brandon there. Check out his podcast. Uh, he does a great job with Locked On Gators. Uh, you're probably going to want to stick around for his post-game show a- after this one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun regardless. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can also check out the Locked On Kentucky podcast. For any of you Florida listeners out there, I want to go tell me why I'm so wrong about this or right. Uh, either way, I'll take I'll, I'll take any any uh, any conversation there. But Brandon, again, thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Really appreciate Brandon Olson sitting down and chatting with us about the game this weekend. Please make sure to follow Brandon on all of his socials and podcast feeds. You're not going to want to miss it whenever he does the post game show. Always has great reactions uh, to this game and and to uh, Florida Gators. Uh, games in a, as a whole. So once again, thank you so much to Brandon for hopping on the show. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Have a great rest of your day and God bless. Thank you.